Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, the first of 2020, we discuss the last few weeks for the Blackhawks, the winning ways that they've endured and the wild wins that they've had over the last couple weeks, the injury bug hitting the team and how that impacts them going forward, as well as Adam Burrish's one more shift on Tuesday night before the Blackhawks faced off against the Calgary Flames. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the first episode of 2020. We took a uh, two-week holiday hiatus. Carter Baum back alongside Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. Gentlemen, I hope uh, you guys had a nice holiday break. Uh, Not having to come and talk hockey and have me bother you uh, for 30 minutes every week. I love being here. I missed it. <laughs> I know, I know. I felt a little bit lost the last two weeks. I didn't miss him one bit, but that's another story. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, no, a lot to catch up on. A lot has happened in the last two weeks since uh, we last recorded an episode. The Blackhawks are on an upward trend. They're winning two-thirds of their games over the last 10. I think a 6-4-0 record in the last 10. Um, some good stretches of good games. A couple losses where they're really close, they're right in games. We're not really talking about a lot of blowout losses, uh, or at least multi-goal losses uh, in the sense of five-on-five play anymore. But one of the big things that has come up over the last few weeks is the injury bug keeps starting to come around. Uh, We'll start, let's just look at the overall big picture. The Blackhawks seem to be winning some games. They have a a couple wins. They have a New Year's Eve win in Calgary, uh, a win over Detroit, a comeback win. This most recent Sunday, some wins before that, uh, coming off the Christmas break, a bad loss to the New Jersey Devils. But all in all, it's been a pretty decent two to three weeks for the organization, starting to find some rhythm and a little bit of consistency as they start to pull some points together and climb back into the wild card hunt. The mood in the room is a lot better because you're winning some games, right? But I, I just fear that that hole that they dug in the first part of the season is just so deep. You know, I, I'm encouraged... Every, every game is like, okay, here we go. We're going to put four or five together, and they're able to do that, and then they get a bad bounce or something goes wrong and they don't, they don't win the game. And at this point, the, the line is so thin that you just can't give away too many games like they did last night against the Flames. You've got to come out. You've got to keep winning some of these games. You've got to pile up points now because you can't wait till March you know, and, and think, okay, here we're going to turn this thing on. So every game, as cliche as it is, is almost like a playoff game for these guys. They need to be on top every single night. And, Burr, I think that's kind of it. The consistency is still quite not there. Yeah, but I think you, you nailed it that the the mood is better. Yeah. I think you, you're starting to win some games now, and you're putting some goals up. And, you know, you lose 7-5 to the Canucks, but you score you, you score 5. Then you come back and you thump the Red Wings 4-2. Uh, and then you know the Calgary game uh, last night was it was a tight game. I mean, this that's a Calgary team 
Um, it's important for people to know. A lot of people picked that as a cup contending team at mm-hmm. the start of the year. They were supposed to be a team that was, you know, top of the standings, and they've really they've struggled a bit this year. Um, and the Blackhawks, they they played them toe to toe last night. And that top line, um, a lot of people would argue, is one of the best lines in hockey with Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau. Um, but I, I agree with that. The guys, when I talk to them and I see them in the hallway. Um, their mood is better. They think that they're playing better hockey now and they feel good about their game. And I don't think they're looking at, you're right, the hole that they dug at the beginning of the year was was a big hole. But I, at least for me when I played, and I think the, the sense I get from the guys is that we're not looking at the standings anymore right now. We're trying to win some games and put a string together and play better. And then, heck, let's see what happens. Remember last year, they went on that big, huge run, the power play going at... 190% it felt like scoring two goals a game and they got themselves back in the hunt so I think that's what they're what the the mindset is a bit now this year it's been the penalty kill that's been really helping them out they've killed off a lot of minors over the last uh, three to four weeks they're getting some of these wins but I want to get your thoughts because some of these wins are not as easy as they should be or they're making them very interesting you have a game coming off the holiday break in Columbus you're down to nothing you come back late, you win 3-2 in a shootout. You go to Calgary, you're up 4 nothing against the Flames in the Saddle Dome on New Year's Eve. You let them get three goals and make it an interesting game late. You get an empty netter, you win 5-3. We saw it again on Sunday with, uh, with Detroit in town, down 2 nothing to the team with the least points in the NHL. Four goals to come back. It's nice to know that you can score those goals almost at will and kind of come back against some of these teams, but... I think if you want to really put a run together and start to consistently be a good team, you have to really worry and try to correct some of these swings during even within a game. Yeah, it's, they haven't really played 60 minutes yet. They mm-hmm. played 50 sometimes, which is enough, as, we, yep. as Carter just mentioned. They haven't done it for 60 minutes, and the, the line, again, is so thin that you need to do that. But, you know, some some losses are are easier to take, right, than yeah. others. The, the game last night, last the night. Flames game, played solid game. Flames are a good team. Um, the Canucks game, you're up in that game, could have won that game, and you, you lose. but the Devils loss is one that you just, it's confounding, right? That's a game that, yeah. as Carter mentioned, fewest points in the league, you're at home, you should be able to roll them, and they just kind of lay an egg. So you've got to get those things out of the, into the rearview mirror and concentrate on playing well, even if you're picking up a couple losses here and there, because you're not going to run the table. You know, there's some losses that are acceptable, but at this point, you need to have more wins than losses. Yeah, and win the games you should win. Right. The Jersey one, those are ones you, you can't let those slip. But the penalty kill has been really good. It, mm-hmm. And uh, that save, do you remember those two saves at the end of the game last night Crawford, yeah, Crawford. made on the, the, the left pad save where he slides back door and then the glove save 20 seconds later? That, that was... That was incredible, and I'm watching that power play by Calgary, and those five guys they trot out there is, you know, may, maybe there's two or three teams that have five better guys, but the way they were zipping that puck around, I remember watching like, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, oh, and then Crawford makes sticks that pad out, and then they zip it around again, and their, their motion was really good, and the Blackhawks' power play struggled a bit for me, and I think if, if, if I'm – a player, and I'm I'm not a power play guy. Never was so, but I'm looking at what Calgary did there, and the way they move guys around, and the way that puck's moving really fast. It's never on a guy's tape very long. That third period power play Calgary had was deadly, and the Blackhawks found a way to kill it off. So that, the penalty kill's been good, and um, and I think Corey's been really good too. I thought he was awesome last night, and there's a lot of talk about him. And is he the backup goalie? No, I don't think so. I think it's one A, one B, and uh, man, he was sharp last night. The two stretches. And a 2-1 loss to the Flames where you play over a minute of down five-on-three action mm-hmm. and the Blackhawks able to kill both, all four minors off, essentially, in that stretch there. Flames scored shortly after the first one ended. A little bit of uh, bad luck on that one. But you mentioned it, Burr. This penalty kill is almost what's keeping this team 
going in some of these games. You get a big momentum boost coming off of that. You're able to kind of, you know, feed off of that and really grow into the game. And uh, in the first period last night, you have a one nothing lead, I believe, and you go down two men for over a minute, and you're kind of thinking, oh boy, it's a very talented Flames team. It's a big test, and they rose to the occasion. Yeah, t- uh, you know, we we talk a lot about Taves always, but he he's a, a sneaky good penalty killer, as good as as good as there is in the league. And and then the other guy, Ryan Carpenter. I mean, just watch him on the penalty kill sometime. Or if you're you're a young player or a coach watching, watch what he did. He's a really really smart penalty killer. He's always in the right position um, against power plays like Calgary last night. They're really hard to defend because they're always throwing these seam passes and throwing pucks behind you. And he's always in a good spot. He always knows what guys are around him. So I think. One guy doesn't always make it better, but I think he's a big reason, Carpenter, why the, the penalty kill has been, been a lot better this year. You've got guys like David Camp as well playing a big role. Zach Smith, he yeah, was in the box great. for a couple of those last night. But those bottom six guys are really stepping up in those crucial moments like that. You know, they're also contributing offensively, too. The Blackhawks are getting uh, contributions from all four lines, which, you know, Jonathan Taves, I think he said yesterday before the game, you, know, you can't always look for 88 to score every, you know, three, four points a night. And they've been Although getting, he can getting, do that. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they should look for that. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's been more balanced. You know, there's some negatives here, but you mentioned the PK has been very good. I thought Jonathan Taves had a great game yeah. uh, against the Flames. He's looking very good. Got some balanced scoring. Goaltending has been good. We got good news as far as Robin Leonard practiced on Wednesday, said he's good to go from the knee injury. So now you've got that two-headed monster coming back. Um, you know, I think Adam Boquist has really stepped up here and, and taking a lot of the pressure off some of the back-end issue, uh, injury issues. So a lot of positive things are happening, and Kirby Doc's playing well. The puck's not going in the net, but his 200-foot game is much more yep. improved from the start of the season. It's just putting all these things together, and if you get the power play going, as you mentioned last year, that's really what got things going. So we're recording this after Wednesday's practice. They spent a lot of time doing the practice on the power play. Now you're seeing Kirby Dock on the number one unit. What do you like about him up there? I, I just want to see him. I want to. Yeah. I think for me, this team, some of these young guys, if they're going to climb in this, these young guys are somebody's going to have to step up and, and, and you know raise their game to the next level. I talked to Brian Campbell yesterday before the Flames game. And he said, I said, what do you think about Bullquist? How's he been? He goes, he's got some things you just can't teach. He goes, he can really do things that you can't teach. He goes, he's a, and Brian said, he goes, I remind myself he's 19 years old. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes think, oh, he's maybe 21, 22. He's still young, but he's 19 years old. And um, that will come, but he's a guy, Kirby Doc's a, a, a guy, Nylander, one of these guys, Sakura, one of these guys is going to have to really step up. And I think Kirby Doc, if I had to pick one, he's the guy. Get some first power play time, start getting some points, start getting some confidence, and you got to go out there and own it. And, and they're going to play big minutes. So which one of you guys is going to step up and really own this opportunity that you know you're going to get some big opportunity coming up here if you're one of these young guys? You mentioned Adam Boquist and what you can't teach. What you can't teach is a goal like he scored on Sunday yeah. against Detroit. You know, you take a feed at the point, you step around a guy and just fire a quick shot, and you beat him. And then he follows it up last night in the Flames with a shot from the point that Kubelik's able to tip in front. He's starting to get maybe some offensive confidence back. And Jeremy Colleton mentioned today, you know, he's asked, what do you like about Boquist's game? And he said, his defense, his defensive play is so good. And that was the big question mark with him coming yeah. in. He's grown into that role. And with every passing game, it seems like he's getting more and more minutes, a career high in minutes played last night. He's growing. Kirby Doc, as you mentioned, is growing. A, a guy like Dominique Kubelik has 10 points in his last yeah. nine games, a three-game point streak for him. Some of these guys are are starting to step up, and it's very important because we haven't gone terribly into it. We've kind of danced around it, but the injuries are, are a little bit mounting for this team. You have, even since 
we were last uh, recording an episode. Drake Kajula is still out in concussion protocol, although he's very near uh, coming back. You talked to him the other day, Chris. Uh, Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook are done for the season, both having right shoulder surgery. Brent Seabrook also getting some some hip surgeries done as well, some nagging issues that have been just bothering him for years that uh, he couldn't play through anymore. Brandon Saad's been out for a couple weeks with an ankle injury. Andrew Shaw still working back from a concussion protocol. He's still a ways off. And then you have Robin Leonard go down in the game in Vancouver with a knee injury late. Corey Crawford started the last two games, which is, you know, it's good to have that tandem there. And then you have Dylan Strome go down against Calgary with an ankle injury who is walking around today. It doesn't seem like it's a long-term thing, but he's already been ruled out for Thursday's game against Nashville. I mean, these these injuries are mounting and you have to have those young guys really step up in opportunities like this. And they're taking their advantage. Dylan Sakura with his first NHL goal and all the guys we we just talked about. That's a lot of injuries. And yeah. every team's yeah. got them, right? I mean, you talk yeah. to every team, they'll be like, yeah, we got injuries, we got to get past this. But the Blackhawks are already relying on some young players yeah. to develop. And now you're throwing more guys into that mix. And sure, you've got the veterans, you've got the core there, you've got Duncan, you've got Patrick, you know, you've got Jonathan. But it just seems to me it's really stressing this team with the guys who are going out. And it's really, you know, the Dylan Strom thing is is disheartening because the center position is so yeah, key tough. right there. And, and you know, there's not a whole lot of depth up the middle on yeah. a lot of teams. And um, so hopefully that's a short term. As Carter mentioned, we did see him kind of hobbling around a- after practice today. So it's good news that he wasn't on crutches, but it's bad news he wasn't in skates, right? Uh, yeah, and the injuries, it's a lot of them. And I, but I was surprised. I talked to Brent Seabrook uh, a week ago after his shoulder surgery. That was his first surgery ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 years playing here or however long it is. I had no, I mean, I've known Brent forever. I didn't know that was his first surgery. Um, you know, for a guy that he never misses any time. And um, it, it's pretty incredible that he, how long he's played and he's never had a surgery, but he's needed him, but yeah. he just will not go down. He would not miss a second. He wouldn't. So uh, tip my cat to him for that, for just how hard he's battled and the the work he said they had to do on his shoulder was was I mean he had a lot I mean he's been banged up and that guy plays as hard as anybody so um, that was pretty and I will correct myself one young guy that needs to step up I said Kubalik has stepped up he's mm-hmm. impressed the heck out of me he's a player this guy can really play he's faster than he looks um, and I was doing a game with Patrick Sharp and we were kind of laughing because I said, would you put him on the, could he be on the number one power play in a shooting spot at a one-timer? Can he, can he hit good one-timers? And Sharp goes, pulls his phone out and pulls up these YouTube clips of him <laughs> sniping. He goes, can he shoot it? He goes, this guy's got one of the best shots on the team. No question. He goes, he can hammer it. And then sure enough, that game, he scores a beautiful goal with a beautiful shot about a week ago. And uh, he's a heck of a player. So there is one young guy that's really stepped up for me and it's been him. He, he's, he's fun to watch. How exciting is it, maybe not for the next one to two weeks, but for the next one to two years, to see all of these young guys really starting to step up and be a large part of the reason that the Blackhawks are are picking up points right now. You want to make the playoffs this season, no doubt, but you have to really get excited about this young core and them stepping up and, and finding these points. And both Jeremy and Stan mentioning it yesterday of, you know, this is part of our development process. You don't you don't want to be a development team right now, but you have to be with so many young guys on this roster. And these guys are starting to rise to the occasion, gain some confidence, and really find their own in this league. Listen, we don't know what's going to happen as far as the playoffs this season and, the, and yeah. mostly the bulk of the second half. But I can tell you that the experience that these guys are getting now is going to benefit them next season and the season after that. Now, you don't want to start looking at that because you've got a lot of hockey left to be played, but 
they're really positioning themselves. I mean, you know, I asked Jeremy Calton today, I said, did you expect Adam Boquist to be making this big an impact back when you saw him in Traverse City? And he said, no, we're thinking maybe second half of the season. So he's already got those games under yeah. his belt. You already got Kirby Dock, a guy who maybe would have started um, with his junior team and then maybe come yeah. back next year. But these guys are gaining that experience. They're playing well as it is now. But, you know, Burr, that, that first season, you know, your head's spinning, right? Spinning. You've got to, where am I living? What's, yep. what's going on? Every city's different. They're going to go into next season knowing some things, and they're going to have these guys around them that they've been around helping them. It's just going to be a great as far as the development. Yeah, I love that Jeremy's throwing these guys into the fire now. I love that he's throwing Kirby Doc on the first PP. Hey, hey kid, get out there. Let's, mm-hmm. You know, you want – you want a big time minutes? You want to play and get some passes from '88, and let, let's go. Here you go. Here's your chance. And same with Boquist, QB in the first power play. Great, Kubalik. He's pencil him in for 20 goals as long as he's playing at least every single with season. With that shot, right? With that shot, he's, he's a, a big guy too. He's a, he's yeah. bigger than he looks. So when you know you stand next to him the, the first time I met him, I'm like Jesus, kid's tall. He's a big he's a big boy, and so pencil him in for 20 every year. Uh, but these guys got to play in playoff games. And that's yeah. when, for me, that's when, what kind of player do you got? Well, you'll, we'll see in the playoffs. That's when, for me, that's when you can judge a guy, you know, what kind of player is this guy going to be for the next 10 years? And, and they're not, they, they weren't there last year. And DeBrinkett hasn't played a playoff game yet. He's a guy, though, that you put the puck in the corner in a big time game in a game seven. I'm counting on, on him. He's a gamer, he's a battler. Um, but I like that they're getting in the fire now. Second half of the season, they're going to play big minutes. Um, I'm excited for these guys if they can get some playoff experience coming up here too. What's the difference, Burr, as someone who's kind of been in those shoes of playing in a playoff game or being a championship-caliber player in juniors or in college or at the lower level? What's that transition to the NHL? Because you have a little bit of that pedigree in you, but it's a whole other ball game at the NHL level. How, how big is that jump? For, for some of these guys who have a little bit of that pass, but like you mentioned, really have to get that that tried and true uh, playoff game mentality. Yeah, it's a different it's a different level. That's why you see Duncan Keith and Kane and Taves. Why you know when when the games are on the line and all of a sudden they kind of crank it up to another level. I mean, the last three minutes of the game last night, the Bla- or the Blackhawks had Calgary just pinned in their own zone. It was Kane and Taves show out there, and that's the level that playoff players have an experience NHL guys have in a regular season game when they can crank it up an extra level well that's every shift now in the playoffs so it's what you see in the regular season when you the last couple minutes when guys really put the, the the pedal down that's playoff hockey every shift plus another level on top of that at the end of the game if you need it so that's what young guys they they don't until you're experienced it you, you don't know what it's going to be like but um, I, I think these the Blackhawks guys, these young guys, I think Kirby Doc's a gamer. I think when, when playoff time comes, he's a guy, he likes the spotlight. He likes pressure situations. He's, you know, the veteran guys we know, but Dabrinkit, I think he's a gamer. I think you put him in a playoff game, he's going to shine. I think they want that experience. They want the puck on their stick. They want to have the, the, the bright lights. So, um, but it's different. It's a different level, but um, but but it's a it's a neat thing. And I remember when I played in Dallas, Jamie Ben had never was the captain of the Stars. No, he had never played a playoff game. He had been there for three years, I think four years. And I'm like, wait till you, wait till you get the chance to taste this. I said the playoffs. It's I said you will be awesome in the playoffs because he's that kind of guy. And I think the Blackhawks have a lot of young guys that when when they get into the playoffs, I think they'll be just fine. Well, we talked a lot about the young guys, but one of the guys who consistently continues to produce game after game, multi-point game after multi-point game. Patrick Kane, 
with an assist, a secondary assist against Calgary, his 993rd career point. Wow. He's coming up on 1,000. Uh, he finished the decade a four-point performance in Calgary, including an empty net goal with half a second left. Really capped off the, the decade for him, finishing as the decade's leading scorer with 802 points, eclipsing the 800 mark in that game alone, in the first 10 minutes of that game alone, rather. Uh, the guy just continues to be the soul of this offensive group, scoring and assisting and really stepping up in any situation, as you mentioned, Burr. Uh, it's just more of the same from him, and he legitimately is getting better with age. He's doing it more and more after his 30th birthday than he was even when he was a teenage phenom. He's, he's, I, don't, I almost want to say he hasn't got to his prime yet. I mean, he's 30 and scoring more points every year. Uh, it's, it's sick. It's incredible what he's doing. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know, and keep in mind, too, he's, it seems like he has a different line mate every game right. or he's got a rotating he's guys. double-shifted. Double-shifted, playing with different guys, playing with young guys. Um, you know, Jeremy knows that, hey, if, if, if I need a guy to fill in here, I'm just going to throw Kaner. If i got to get a guy going, I'm going to throw him with Kaner. Um, yeah, it's 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 incredible what what he can do out there. It's uh, as as Blackhawks fans, we're pretty lucky to get to watch this every night. Yeah, I've been I'm working on a piece on on Patrick and his quest for 1,000 and how he got there. And you're right. I asked Stan Bonham about him, and he said, "Yeah, he's getting better." Yeah. As Jeremy Calton, I was like, "Yeah, he's getting better." And you, it's the eye test, right? Is this guy is getting better? Every I thought, yep. you know, three four years ago, every time he touched the puck, he was going to score. But now he's just dynamic. He can see the ice so well, and I think his experience has got to the point where you're right. I can adjust to whatever line mate I'm on, whatever yep. situation I'm on, I'm in. And his stamina is incredible because he is being double shifted. And you got, I think you've got teams scheming to stop him yep. and he's still finding ways. Yep. But to be getting better at this point in his career is really a testament to things because he's had guys take runs at him over the over years. He's not a big guy as we know, but he's able to duck hits. He's getting um, great looks almost seemingly every, every shift, which is just, uh, to me, is mind-boggling because – Entire teams are scheming to stop him, and he's still finding a way. Yeah. Speed, too. I mean, yeah, I think fast, underrated right? speed. Yeah. He, he's still blowing by guys. Yeah. Or there's a loose puck. He's the first one to loose pucks. It's, it's, the, it's everything. He's uh, coming up on the milestone. He's also going to have his junior number retired next Friday. Uh, it just seems like it just keeps getting better and better for Patrick Kane. There's more and more accolades that are coming. Uh, I've been talking to some of the younger guys in the locker room, just kind of about him and what it's like playing with him. And all of them are sitting there saying the same thing. You know, I grew up watching this guy. Mm, Even yeah. when his first three years in the league, they're saying, I grew up watching this guy. And now to see it firsthand, what he's doing is, is incredible. And I talked to Robin Leonard today about kind of what sets him apart from a, from a goalie's perspective. And he said his, his ability to shoot the puck is incredible. The number of goals he has, either five-hole or under the arm, are just amazing. Like some of the toughest spots to hit. Uh, where goalies close down first, and he seems to find that nook, find that cranny every single time. I, I think, uh, and I've talked to Sharp about this, and I think great, great goal scorers, they have some little tricks or some things they know and some study they do. I mean, he's, he studies the game in the summer. He spends a lot of time working on little things, but he, he and I asked a goalie, Robin said the way he, what Robin's kind of saying is, I don't know how he does it, but he knows where I'm going to move. And he puts it where I, where I just moved to where I thought I was going to be. So he has some tricks. He knows some things about goaltenders, where they're going to move. Cause he shoots pucks in places that should be stopped, but somehow they always go in. He'll shoot it at the goalie's blocker. Cause he knows the goalie's 
thinks he's going high and he moves his blocker and it goes right in the, the middle side of the net, right under the blocker. And I asked Sharp that. I said, what, what do you goal scorers do? He goes, Kaner would never tell me. He goes, he would tell me some little <laughs> tricks, but I think they don't want anybody to know or they don't want goaltenders to know um, some little tendencies they know that goaltenders do. And the five-hole shot's a tricky one, too. It's where do you put it? How do you know? Because you, know, you can look pretty silly if you shoot five-hole on a goalie and he just goes down and he has his stick there. And um, But there's there's tendencies goalie have goalies have and how they move. And I don't know what they are. If I, if I did, I probably would have scored more than eight goals or whatever I had in my career. But I think there's some things that he spends time studying and watching goalies in the summer. With his uh, with his coaches in the summer, that um, he's he's amazing at knowing tendencies and where goalies are going to be. He also knows. I know that these guys now, the way they study the game, is certain areas on the ice where they are, where the goal scoring spots are. So if you're on the strong side with your forehand, shooting the far side, you probably don't have a chance to score. But there's certain pockets, short side, and I don't, I I don't even get into it because it's like speaking a different language to me. But um, he, I know Kaner spends a lot of time studying this stuff. And you only need just a sliver, right? Exactly. I mean, you, it's crazy. Goal years ago against was it the Wild where he, he backhanded one? There was a, a basically a, a puck, yep. you know, just just enough of a to fit a puck in, and he got it in yep. in the upper right hand corner. And most guys won't even try that shot, but he's a guy who sees, okay, I've got a little spot here, I'm going to go for it, and the puck goes in. You know, other guys are trying that, and they're firing wide or they're firing into the into the chest of the goalie. So the way he takes chances and is able to convert those is really something special. Yep. I mean, we're just you know, watch the rest of the season. He comes down if he comes down on his left side. On his forehand, he always finds that low blocker area that he just blows it right. The goalie knows it's going there, but he's he's deceptive with his shot and where he puts it. It's 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 perfect spot every single time. Well, he's coming up on a thousand. He's seven points away. By the time we sit down and talk next week, he's either going to be there or he's going to be very close because he's He'll almost operating at a two point per game pace. There's three games between now and then. Add in one game like he had in Calgary last week with a four-point performance, and uh, history is going to be made. He's going to be, uh, I think, the 90th all-time player to reach 1,000 points in the NHL, as if we didn't know he was uh, special enough. It's a, it's a very cool milestone for Patrick Kane, and uh, we're excited to see it. It's, it's going to be uh, a very big moment for, for everyone that has watched him through the years, and the last player in a Blackhawk sweater to do it was Marion Hossa almost four or five years wow. ago. You know, so. I know Patrick's really, he really wants to do it. Too. Yeah, this oh, is yeah. something special for him. He, you know, he'll say, oh, it's just a number. It's just, but I talked to him. I talked to his father. Pat Sr. said, yes, yeah, this is a big deal of Patrick. Yep. He was hoping to do it at home. I'm not sure he's going to get there because he really wanted to kind of reward the Chicago fans. But I, I hope all the fans tune in and watch this because it means a lot to Patrick Kane to be able to do this for Blackhawks fans. For himself, sure. But he really appreciates what has happened to him in Chicago. Ever since he was an 18-year-old kid, they drafted him. All the work that he put in all the adulation he's gotten, the fans are, have been behind him. He wants to reward them, and it's a big deal for him, big deal for the fans. Um, you know, we talked about it. A lot of these guys, what, 90 guys, will be the 90th guy, when they hit 1,000 are on the downslope of their career, mm-hmm. maybe in the last season or two. That's not Patrick Kane. He's got yeah. a lot more left to give. Yeah, these guys, you know milestones as a player. You know when you're hitting certain numbers or, or where you're at. If you're scoring, you know, 20 goals is a big number, or a career high in points. You know, he knows right where he's at, and – um, I think that'd be pretty cool. I hope I, I just I really hope he gets the chance to do that here at the United Center. Maybe he'll just one game he'll, he'll make a couple passes, not right on a guy's tape, and maybe not get a point on the road and save that save that last point. To, I was gonna say, what are you, are you saying? He's going to go on a three game uh, scoreless drought <laughs> no, next I, week. <laughs> that's, I already said I wouldn't be surprised if he gets this thing done pretty quick. Well, you, you know, you, you mentioned that he knows where he is. It's yep. funny. I talked to him the other day, and like I said, 
you know, you got this number coming up. And then uh, he said, uh, he said, was it uh, 15 away? I said, I think, I think it's 14. And I, or, I, I said, I think it's 15. He said, I think it's 14. And I'm like, uh, I think, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, he's not right. And I went back and looked. He's like, oh, yeah, and his sister. Right on so every he, time. Yep. he knows exactly he knows. where he is and what he needs to do. He knew, I think he knows exactly when he hit the 800th point of the decade. He knew. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. knew right away when that was. And he immediately said it right after the game. He was, yeah, you know, I, you know, I wanted to just kind of finish strong and, you know, it's nice to, to hit 800 and kind of be, be on that mark. But the very first person to deflect the accolade to his teammates. Yep. Well, he's a student of the game, too. He, he knows. when We were talking about, you know, whenever he passes Rocket Richard, you know, recently in something, it was like, these are big names. Yeah. He really feels special being up, including those. You talk about, you know, Marc Messier and those guys, legends of the game. And when his name starts popping up among those guys, he knows it. And he really enjoys that fact that he's up there and it means something to him. Yeah. Well... It's going to be a special moment for Patrick Kane when that does happen in the next uh, week or so, most likely. But a special moment, we've gone through this entire episode and we have not mentioned that our very own Adam Burrish was honored before the game against the Flames with one more shift. We've, uh, you've done a couple interviews with several guys this year taking one more shift before they take it. You know What it means to come back, what it is going to feel like to go out there. This is the first one we get to do after the fact, because you're local, you're here with us every week. <laughs> what was that moment like for you? I know uh, it's one you maybe are kind of, you've been downplaying a little bit, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal, but I know it's one that, that is special for you to at least be on that ice one more yeah, time. Yeah, it was I, very appreciative of it. And for me, it was important though that it's it was a, it was a year celebrating the 2010 team. I, that was important to me and that it wasn't, you know, I, I, it, I didn't feel like it was about me. It was about, I was, I was fortunate to be on a good team. And it was about this year's, the Blackhawks have done an incredible job, you know, honoring that 2010 team and the 10 year reunion of that Stanley Cup championship team. So, um, but I was very appreciative um, as I was telling you guys before we started, you guys asked, were you nervous at all? Or, uh, and everybody says, oh, don't fall out there. I've been skating my whole life. You've but been the one crosses, saying don't fall. <laughs> yeah, to everybody else. <laughs> I, it, I got to be honest, it crosses your mind. Yeah. But I'm, before I'm stepping on the ice, um, when I got to the United Center, I hadn't had my skate sharpened in two and a half years. And I was like, geez, I should probably go get these sharpened. So I walked in and I had DJ... The black, one of the Blackhawks equipment guys, I said, can you buzz these a couple times? And he goes, you know, what hollow do you want? I said, I, I have no idea. I forgot what I haven't sharpened skates and whatever, just sharpen them a little bit. And he laughed. And then I put them on and I was like, oh God, these might be too sharp now. I haven't had sharp skates on and I haven't had any skates on this and a fresh sheet of ice. There's no friction on the ice. This might not go good. Then there's a big television cord right in front of you as you step onto the ice. And I'm just staring at that, like, make sure you get over that and then don't slip once you get over the cord. Um, so I'd be lying if I didn't say don't fall wasn't, wasn't on my mind, but it, it was special. My family was there. My wife was there and um, I'm very appreciative. Well, I know you've downplayed it a bit, you know, saying it's about the team, but you know, I was around that 2010 team and, you know, not everybody scores 30 goals, not everybody's Patrick Kane, not everybody's Jonathan Taves, but you were a huge part of that team. You talk about heart and soul of a team. You were part of that heart and soul. And the guys respected you, what you did on the ice, off the ice. So while I know you want to downplay it, you should feel proud of what you accomplished that year and in your career. And I think when I, when I stepped back and I was watching the crowd just go crazy when you took the ice, I know you didn't want to fall. I don't know if you're listening to them, but <laughs> it was, they were roaring in approval, and there was a reason for that. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that, too. And, um, I, and when I did talk to you guys a week ago, and, and what made me feel neat and why I think a reason why we had a really great team was those guys that did score 30 goals in the Superstars, they made – 
us, you know, bottom tier guys feel special and feel the little things that we did were important. And, you know, when we would go block a shot or when we would kill a penalty off, they made us feel like we just scored a goal and we scored a big goal. And, and I mean, you saw it, Chris, they, there was, there was no, oh, you're a, you're a fourth line guy. Don't, no. you know, stay away. It was, everybody was important. And I think that's why we had a, why a neat team. And that's why, um, why we were able to win a Stanley cup, but everybody was, everyone, everybody was a big part of that. I noticed when you got out there, you got through the skating part, you were just standing on the blue line. And when the national anthem was going, you were just looking in every corner of the arena. What was going through your mind, just kind of soaking that moment in? Well, that'll never happen again. I'll never have the chance to do something like that again. And and the anthem here in Chicago is as cool as it gets in in sports. And so when you're playing, um, I don't, you don't appreciate it. I don't think, because you're focused on, you know, all right, my first shift and what I got to do here and, and what's going on in the game. And, you're just kind of locked in, and here I got nothing. I'm going to go up and sit in the stands <laughs> with my parents after this game and and hang out. So I'm going to look around. I'm going to, I want to enjoy this. And um, that, man, it's it's really cool. That that anthem is a special thing. And so I was just stood in the blue line, and I just I was just looking around. I was looking, you know, up in the rafters. I looked at the the 2010 banner, that the Stanley Cup championship banner. I was sitting there staring at that and, and um, looking over at the bench, at the guys. I was looking down the line at, at, at Duncan Keith and Taves, who I played with, and looking at fans and, you know, looking people in the eye in the stands and like, wow, I'm just seeing all these people and the, the noise and trying to listen and remember and capture all that. So that was, that's what was pretty neat for me. You always hear guys say, you know, I wish... I wish I knew that was going to be the last time because yeah. you would appreciate it more. Exactly. Is that was that kind of the exactly? I, I was like, I want to. I'll never stand on the ice at the United Center in a Blackhawks jersey for a, that crazy anthem. And so I just I, I wanted to try and soak it all in. Does it make you want to go uh, go out there and play? No, I'm good sitting here with you guys. <laughs> no, I'm good. I can't get beat up sitting here. You got the skate oh, sharpened just for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a special moment for you. Uh, we were. Glad to see you out there, and it was uh, a nice moment for you and your family to be able to to get and see that, and uh, even your wife, who who didn't get to experience that yep. uh, with you when you were a player in Chicago. I'm sure that was a, a special moment yeah, for her it was as fun. well. It was the, appreciative to the Blackhawks that they did that for us. Yeah, well, it's uh, it was a great night. Uh, hopefully, we have many more great nights to talk about going forward. Uh, great talking with you guys yet again here in a brand new year, a brand new decade. Uh, hopefully many more things to come this year and uh, some exciting times ahead for the Blackhawks uh, one way or another with so many young players and also so many legendary guys still around doing their thing. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, once again, fellas. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy thanks New for year. listening. That'll do it for this week's episode for Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider presented by Chevy Drive Chicago Drive. What? soon-to-be 1,000-point scorer Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tavestra. Down to the ice. Burrish is out of the penalty box. Hawks at full strength. Kane sends it ahead to Burrish. He leads a two-on-one break. Over the red wing line. Right wing. He shoots. He scores! Exclamation point for Adam Burrish. He beats Osgood high and over the left shoulder. 6-2 Hawks with 419 left in the third. And the United Center is rocking again. Oh, Adam Burrish's third goal of the season. I'll tell you what. I think it was Taves and Kane that were coming down. It was a three-on-one.